Man, the 70s were good, weren't they? The sweats alone. Just go back to 70s sweats. No, um, I'm just curious. Has anyone actually been to Philadelphia and run up the steps and done the hands up thing? Come on, I just want, I need to see it. I've not done this. You've done it. You have, you have video proof of it. You made it all the way up the steps. You made it, everyone, everybody, everybody. Okay, um, the other thing, is there anyone in here that thinks they could do like one, one-armed push-up? Yeah, <laughs> I got a couple of people. Yeah, we won't make you prove it. No, but we want to marvel at you. Um, I, love, uh, I love that movie. Love, uh, that's Rocky, of course, uh, it's an award-winning movie. Incredible. Um, it, we love those stories. It, it's, the, it's kind of the story of David and Goliath, right? It's the guy who had no business being in the ring with the heavyweight champ. You can even tell, you know, like 70s in shape. 70s in shape was great. You're like, I'm not sure if you're strong or fat, but I'm with you on that. You know, like, it's like, it's just a good layer of fat covering up, but you can do the one, the one arm push up. But, but you have this, you have this idea of the David versus Goliath. And we, and basically every story ultimately is some version of David and Goliath, right? It's the person against all odds trying to overcome in the end. That's every story. And we, that, that is ingrained kind of in the human fabric to love that story of the, you know, the, the nerd who somehow ascends to be able to date the really cool girl or whatever the story is. But the David and Goliath come on, all the nerds are like, thank you, Jesus, for helping me. And so, but we love these stories. And, and so you get to the end of the story and they finally conquer, they achieve, they overcome whatever thing was uh, keeping them back. The, the, they are able to rise and win. Now, the only issue with the David and Goliath story is the end isn't really that great unless you get to see the journey in process. You know, you have to have the training montage right, in order to actually appreciate the end, right? I mean, how boring or how little impact is it, is it actually if you've got Frodo at the end, right, he's laying in bed with his little white linen pajamas and his little half finger, and he's like overcome, but that's all you see, right? You don't, y'all know what I'm talking about, Frodo? You know what I'm talking about, Frodo, at the end, he's made it, he's not dead, Right? And like everybody's super excited and they're hanging out in their white linen PJs. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Come on, people. It's not really that riveting if all you see is hobbits and PJs. You know what I'm saying? What's riveting is actually getting to watch the journey. You guys are gonna have to get with me on this, all right? What's riveting is when you see the journey, you see the struggle, you see the day in and day out. You've got to fight, you've got to train, you got to box, you got to war, you got to go like up a mountain, you have to go down into the valley. And the, and it, the ending is only meaningful if you see the journey, if you're tied into the journey. Now, Here's the problem. We love seeing Frodo's journey. We love Rocky Balboa's journey, but nobody loves 
being in the journey themselves. This is the problem. We're, we can be so lit up for the cool journeys that we get to see, but when we're in the journey, it doesn't always feel good. In fact, when we're in the journey, it often feels really difficult and it feels like we may not make it. And the truth is, is every one of us are in the journey. And the question is, how are we supposed to see this journey? How are we supposed to see the ups and the downs of our lives? It's really cool to see it out there, but it's really hard to live through it and experience it. We're asking these big questions in this series going, God, what are you doing? Not just this year, what do you want to do in the next half decade of my life? In 2025, what are you crafting? What are you accomplishing? What are the dreams that you're putting in our hearts? How can we begin to step into these things that you have for us, they're beyond what we said even the first week. They're beyond anything that we could think or imagine. That's the promise we have from the word. But we're in this journey and it doesn't always feel good. Sometimes the journey can be really rough. Sometimes the journey just stinks. And you might be right in the middle of a journey right now and it doesn't feel good and it doesn't look like you're making a lot of progress. And so the question is, is if we're looking over the long haul over the next five years, how are we supposed to see the journey? How are we supposed to interpret the ups and the downs? And sometimes, if you will, the two steps forward and sometimes the six steps backwards, how do we interpret that? Because the truth is, is that's the picture we see all throughout the scripture. This is the story. The people of God are no exception to this rule of two steps forward, sometimes three steps back, or sometimes one step back. And so when we look at the word of God, here's what we're going to see about the journey. Listen, God isn't just aiming to get you to a destination. I want to say that with clarity. God isn't just trying to aim to get you to a destination, nor does God just love you when you finally arrive. Meaning God isn't super into you once you finally get to the place he's trying to take you. That's not when, that's not the place or the, uh, the location, if you will, that we finally experience the glad heartedness and the goodness of God. But in fact, God is in the journey and he isn't nearly as frustrated as you and I are. God is in the journey and he's not frustrated about it. In fact, he's planning and what we'll see from the word is he's planning it and he's working right in the middle of it. The journey is meaningful to God. The struggle is meaningful to him. God loves the journey. He loves it. God loves the journey. You want to know why? Because it's in the journey where he's, he's writing the story. You ever, um, I don't know how many of you are writers, or you've had a chance to craft a story, or even if you're just creative. When you put yourself into it, when you put yourself into something creative, you try to put something together, right? It becomes, if you will, a passion project. It becomes something that you're invested in. And yes, you're working toward the end, but you love each part as you put it together, as you see the thing fashioned. It's meaningful to you. And so every one of us are in that place where God is loving writing the story. 
He's speaking in the story. He's moving in the journey. God's all about it. He loves it. And this is what we get to see from the word. That's what we've been exploring. That's what we said, God, would you give us dreams that are beyond ourselves so that we might be able to step into it? Would you help us pull off the chains that keep us held from stepping into what you have for us? And then God, would you give us wisdom on how we can pull ourselves out of that place of being stuck so that we can begin to move forward? But when we begin to move forward in the journey, how, is, how are we to interpret what God is doing? Because God is loving every moment. Even here, like even here in this moment, like sitting in this room, God loves you. God loves this moment. It, it, would be, it could be easy to kind of just go through life and forget like God is here right now and he's loving you in this moment and he's loving this moment that you got out of bed to come and connect with him and his people. This is a meaningful moment to him. God is loving this moment. Like what we did here in singing and declaring and coming to open up his word. This is meaningful to God. You may not be at your destination. In fact, I would venture to say you may have arrived at a destination and then God opened a door and you got... You just found out you got six more destinations God wants to take you through. But what we get to remember, and I think what we'll see from the word is that God's ready for us to experience his gladness right now. You're in the journey. It might be tough right now. You might be winning like crazy right now, but you're in the journey and he's here. He's here right now. He's delighted in this moment. He sees the partnership of his people. He sees someone who is willing to come and connect. This is a meaningful moment. Well, this is how we begin to interpret the journey that God has for us. And that's what we have throughout the word. You can go all the way back. You go back to the story of a man named Abram, who ends up becoming, after a covenant with God, a man named Abraham. And he looks, God looks at Abraham and says, I've got this huge promise for you. And he looks at Abraham and he goes, here's the promise. This is beyond anything you can imagine. You're going to be the father of a nation of people. And Abraham's going, I can't even have my own kids. You're, you're straight crazy. That's essentially what he said. That's, I mean, that's my version. But essentially, if you read the Bible, he doesn't say straight crazy, but it feels like he's right on the verge of saying, God, you're straight crazy. You know what I'm saying? He's looking at him going, you're telling me that you're going to create from me an entire nation of people dedicated and devoted to you in a covenant with you. I can't even have children. You ever, uh, you ever been at that place where you're going, man, like, Lord, I need you to do something in my life. I believe you have some incredible things for my life, but it feels like I, step one already feels impossible. It doesn't feel like it's actually a plausible thing that God is asking or saying or declaring over our lives. And God's saying, I have this, but you got to be willing to go through the journey. And are you going to be willing to say yes to me? And the truth is, listen, guess what? It, it takes for, for what seems like forever for that promise to come through, but God does it. 
he accomplishes it. And here's what the word says. It says, Abraham believed what God said, and it was counted to him as righteousness. It just said, listen, it didn't say, in fact, we'll read the story. As you read the storms for Abraham, he messes up on so many levels and creates way more problems for himself than he ought to have ever created or he ever had to, right? He's a mess. You read the story of Abraham. The guy is a straight mess, okay, all the way through, okay? But, but that doesn't change the fact that Abraham believed what God said, and he went on the journey. He wasn't perfect, but he went on the journey, and that was meaningful to God. The way the scripture says it is his faith to take the step to come out and to, to be a sojourner, right? At the very first, he says, listen, I want you to come out of your home, and I just want you to go. And he's like, where are you going? He's like, I'll let you know. But I want you to believe and trust me in the journey. And that was meaningful. The way the scripture says is that faith was credited him as righteousness, right? Because isn't that what faith is? Faith is just believing what God says more than what we can see with our eyes or perceive with our minds. It's just whatever God says is truer than my own experience. And we choose to hang our lives on the word of God and not our own senses. And this is what we get to see. And God, of course, eventually does it, right? And over the course of 400 years, it becomes a million people. And through a series of events, the people, uh, because of a famine, the people find themselves enslaved in Egypt. And what does God do? God looks at the people and says, I've got a promise for you. I'm going to pull you out of slavery. And then I'm going to give you a promised land, a land that is your own. Here's my promise. And the people of God are going, we're in shackles. It's not even possible. And what God is knocking on the door saying, listen, everything with me is possible, but will you go on the journey? Will you take the steps? Will you begin to trust me and step out in those ways? And what God does is he raises up a servant named Moses. And he brings Moses, and Moses is able to come and through a series of supernatural events. Of course, Moses is one of those first great pictures of a coming Messiah, a coming Christ. You have one who says, let my people go. And he comes in a supernatural way, right? Through bloody rivers and pestilence and frogs and hail and fire, right? God delivers his people. And then through the waters, delivers his people into a place of freedom. And so right, this incredible picture, the same picture of what Jesus did for our lives. And so Israel is delivered from Egypt and they come to that place. They come to that place and they begin to look at what was promised. They see the promised land. And God's about ready to kind of give them a pep talk as they're looking into the promised land. And all of the sudden, they kind of take a step back and they hear it because they hear what God is saying and God's giving the pep talk. And you know what he says? It's gonna be different. In fact, we're gonna look at it here in a second. He says here, you need a pep talk because it's not gonna be easy. 
Meaning, I have an incredible destination for you and your life, but it's not going to be easy. And you're going to have to trust me in the ups and the downs. You're going to have to journey with me and be in this thing with me when it doesn't look great. There are going to be nations that are going to try to keep you from taking this land that I've given to you. In fact, the scripture, what we're going to see is the scripture is going to say there, there's nations that are going to bring the fight to you and against you. This land that you're trying to get into has great and mighty nations that are going to come over you. They're going to come against you. And so Israel is actually looking into the promised land and they're going, they're scared out of their minds. And God is trying to ready them for it. Here's the Here's, I have the promise, but it's not going to be easy. Listen, what's easy is to stay put. In fact, the Israelites continued to look for the easy way. They, on multiple occasions, said, let's just go back to slavery. It was way easier. Can you imagine? The promise of ease is enough to want to send you back to slavery. Let me say that again. The promise of comfort was enough to want to pull the Israelites back to a place of slavery. Comfort, ease, right? It's easy to stay where we're at. That's for every person in here. Every one of us can kind of just stay where we're at, kind of stay on the same trajectory. That's the easy thing, right? We can stay in that place. Easy to stay in that place with our problems. Easy to stay in the place with our temper issue. It's easy to stay in that place with the unhealthy habits. It's easy to stay in that place where we're lazy. It's easy to stay in that place where we're argumentative or gossipy or whatever it is that we struggle with, uh, living in a place of criticism constantly. It's easy to do that thing. The hard thing to do is to say, no, I'm not going to stay in this place that's broken inside of me and to begin to step out into it. There's a promised land I have for you. I have a vision for your life. God's saying, hey, I have a vision for you over the next five years. I have things I'm going to accomplish. The easy thing is to stay pat. The hard thing to do is to begin to take the step forward. This is the hard thing. I want you to look at Deuteronomy chapter 7. Here's the pep talk. And I want you to see the honesty of the Lord in his delivering them to this promised land. Look at what he says. Deuteronomy 7 will say, we'll do uh, verse 17 and 18. You may say to yourselves, these nations are stronger than we are. How can we drive them out? But do not be afraid of them. Remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. Now, I love this moment. We'll just pause here. I love this moment because here's what he does. As he looks at them and says, listen, I understand that the mountain in front of you looks really, really daunting. Do do me a solid and take your eyes off of yourself. That's what he's saying. He said, don't look at what's in front of you. What I want you to do is look at me. I'm the one that pulled down the Egyptian empire. So don't, whatever you've got in front of these, these nations, think about this. Whatever nations were in front of them in the promised land were nothing compared to what God had done in Egypt. It's nothing. 
So God has the power and the ability. So he's saying, don't look at your circumstances. I want you to look at me. See who I am. Now jump down to verse 21. He says, don't be terrified by them for the Lord our God who is among you is great and awesome. Mm. Feel that. Just, it's just a good scripture. I don't know. Just like memorize it or something. I don't know. It's just good. Hey, don't be afraid of that because your God is great and awesome. I love it when God's declaring who he is. Like, oh yeah, I needed that reminder. God, you're great and awesome. Look at this. The Lord your God will drive out those nations before you little by little. So you go like, don't be afraid. God is great. I'm going to drive the nations out little by little. Now, they were like super pumped up by the, right? They're like all dialed in. God's given them the, the pep talk. I'm great. I'm awesome. I'm going to take over these nations. No problem. But little by little. And I can guarantee you they were all like, yeah, wait. That, that seems kind of opposite to great and Austin. It seems more like, could you just move it along faster? Been there? <clears throat> If you want the transformation, you want God to move the boulder now. And listen, God is capable of moving the boulder now. But in his wisdom and clarity and in his understanding, he says, hey, this is going to happen little by little. Look at verse, continue with verse 22. You will not be allowed to eliminate them all at once. Or the wild animals will multiply around you, but the Lord your God will deliver them over to you, throwing them into great confusion until they are destroyed. You actually jumped down to Exodus 23. We'll throw it up on the screen for you. Same pep talk. But I will not drive them out in a single year because the land would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you, little by little. Little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. Little by little. Everyone say little by little. Little by little is not bad. Sometimes little by little is God's plan and design. And the question is, is are we willing by faith to journey with God in the little by little. If we're on this five-year journey, can we go to the little by little? God isn't just in the little by little. God's ordaining the little by little. And he's got design. He's got plan. He's got purpose, right? We've got this promised land in front of us, and I'm going to deliver you. I'm the supreme commander of the universe, I could take these nations out if I want to, but I've got a plan in place. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give this to you, but it's going to be little by little. And the question is, why? <laughs> why little by little? You ever been in that place just going, hey, it would be awesome if we could get this whole thing done overnight. But what we'll see here from Scripture is that God is into the little by little. So why? Number one, listen, God wants fresh 
and active relationship with you and me. God wants fresh and active relationship with us. Listen, your relationship with God is more important than the promised land. I'm going to say that again. How you and who you are in relating to God is way bigger than the destination he's taking you on. And the truth is, is he wants the Israelites to be a people in this moment to trust him day in and day out. He's not going to drive them out all in a year. I'm asking you to follow me little by little, to be in a fresh, vibrant, life-giving relationship with me, walking with me, right? It's the manna that had to come daily. It's the same prayer that Jesus prays. Give us this day our what? Daily bread. Jesus did not pray. Give us this day our Costco shopping trip. All right, trying to set it up for like, you know, a month. You know? What's the point of the, the, if you remember when the, the people of God are in the wilderness and he's only bringing the manna daily and if they would try to keep some of it for the next day because they weren't sure if it would be there the next day, what happened? It would spoil good nasty. And he's going, hey, I'm t- if, listen, if I want to do manna that lasts for a month, I can do manna that lasts for a month. I, that's not a problem for God. I just want you to trust me every day. I care about our relationship every day. Hear that? Uh, please hear that. When the Lord's calling and beckoning us to trust him every day, that's the, that's the loving heart of God to say, I like you. I'm in this thing with you. I want to walk with you in this thing. I want you to trust me in this thing. And I'm, I want to show you who I am every day. So Jesus prays, Lord, give us our daily bread. Oftentimes, God's going to allow things to happen that seem like they're out of control. They're not working to our advantage. And he will give us just what we need at the right moment. Sometimes he won't give it to us too soon and he won't give it to us too late. He just gives it to us at the right time. And this is the part of walking in a relationship with God. Yeah, you got 10 dozen whatever relationships right now. You got close ones, you got acquaintances. The most meaningful relationships, they all take what a measure of trust and walking with each other. There's no easy. I don't know, I've never met anyone that has ever said, marriage is the easiest thing I've ever done. So, I mean, we are killing it, all right? Right? No, as no, they, no, I have heard that. They were like seven days into their marriage. They were like, we're doing this, man. Honeymoon was amazing. We got this thing figured out. All right? Anyone that got like four days past honeymoon, they're like, oh my gosh, what have I done to myself? Right? You know what I'm talking about? Relationships are hard. Why? Because it takes a measure of I'm willing to go there with you. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build this thing of trust. And this is what God's doing. And the marriage is, of course, just one picture of an incredible relationship we have with God where he's going, let's do this journey together. It's about building trust. It's about building trust. Secondly, now look at what the scripture says, because you can go back. It says, listen, I'm not going to drive them out in a single year because the land would become desolate and wild animals too numerous for you. Listen, 
I'm not going to go ahead and clear the land for you to take it because you're not ready to contain everything that but I've got for you. Here's the kindness of God to say, I've got amazing plans for you, but I've got a bunch of building in you before you're ready for where I'm taking you. I got work to do in you. You ain't there, bucko. And I love you too much to give you the whole thing because you cannot manage the very incredible thing that I have for you yet, but I'm gonna get you there. It's the kindness of God. It's what it, whatever, I, you have to be able to maintain whatever you obtain. You gotta be able to walk in it and live in it and function in it when God's giving it to you. So sometimes the Lord, that's what he says, like, listen, I drive all those nations out. You guys aren't ready to take on everything else that's going on there. I've got bigger plans. I've got a wiser strategy. I see what's going on. Trust me in this. You're not ready. Let's go. Let's walk in this thing together. Make sense? And so the question then becomes, guys, do we trust God's timing when we're in the journey? Everyone else's journey looks amazing. Our own journey seems really difficult. Can we trust him? Can we walk with him? Being made ready for a life of sustained joy in him, little by little. Right? Victory isn't the one huge thing, and all of a sudden, we're undefeated. It's the small thing continually, over and over and over. And so the question is this, how do we begin to partner with God? How do we begin to partner with God in the little by little? How does that happen? How do we jump into it? One of the things we said last week is, listen, let's ask God what's the action we need to take to begin to move in the right direction. And then what does it look like for us to begin to take those steps little by little? And so we begin to ask. You know, researchers actually say one of the most important things is actually setting goals that are really attainable. Really attainable. In fact, here's what they say. Listen, if you got a big goal in front of you, one of the most important things for you to do is to shrink this thing down and literally make a goal that you cannot fail at. To begin to put things in front of you, to say, okay, God, you got some awesome things. I need to hear from you. What is something that I can win at today? And just begin to find the step and just begin to ask the question. In fact, I'm just going to give you, here's what I'm going to do. We're going to give, I'm going to give you four habits for setting some goals to, to, to run with Jesus in the daily. And then we'll finish um, just by connecting with, with God's heart. All right, four habits, things that you can do. You're going, okay, great. I'm on the journey. It sounds awesome. God wants to sustain me. I may not be ready for it yet. How do we go? That's it. Number one, shrink it down. Okay, whatever the goal is, first find the manageable goal, right? That one of the researchers says, here's the solution. You've got to make your goals stupidly small, crazy small. What I mean by that is something that you can attain. One of the researchers talked about, you know, how many of you have ever had the battle with like, I need to get in shape and eat healthy? Anybody had that? Is it just me? Okay. He's talking about this. It's one of these really important habits, right? Physical health is an important habit to have. If you want to have a healthy habit or a healthy goal, right? Oftentimes what happens is you haven't been doing anything at all, and then you go, okay, 
I got to fix this. I'm going to start working out a half hour a day just to get myself going again, right? And then you do the half hour, you know, you find that like you get on YouTube and then you do the half hour ab slam thing, right? And then what happens the next day? You're like walking around like a Tyrannosaurus Rex. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Because you aren't ready for that goal. And so what he said is, here's make a goal. And the guy actually did, the guy did the research said, here's your goal, one push-up. One push-up. And he said, there's a reason for this. It's because you can go and you can do one push-up. And you've accomplished your goal now here. And what you'll find is the one manageable goal that you can, the easy, simple, stupidly easy goal that you can attain, all of a sudden you'll find yourself saying, you know what, maybe I could do two. Or I might could even do five. But what it does is it actually gets you stepping in the right direction and beginning to ask God, what's the step? What's the easy thing I can begin to just step into? Lord, what are you trying to accomplish? I just want to jump in, but I, I may not be ready for it all. So what's the goal? What, what can we shrink down just to begin to say, Lord, I just want to be faithful in the little by little. God is not upset with the one push-up, right? Whatever that your push-up is, let's find the push-up and let's, let's say yes to it. Number two, you got to write it down. I mentioned this to you last week, but I just want to say this again. Whatever it is that is in front of you, when you write the goal down, what you're, you're, you're actually saying it. You're declaring it, God, you're doing something, and I'm partnering with you. It's important. If you don't do a journal, do it. Maybe you start journaling. Maybe that's the thing. Like you got, like, I need to write two sentences. Like my stupidly easy goal is I'm going to write two sentences about Jesus every day, right? Find the thing and just say, I'm going to journal. God, help me in this thing. But write it down. Find the place to write down so that you have an opportunity to see with clarity what's in front of you. Write it down. Second, the third thing, track it. Track it. Research shows that if you'll keep up with the thing that you're doing, right? This is, this is why we keep score in sports. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm talking about? Like when you walk into a room and there's a game, uh, the game goes to a commercial, and you, the game comes back on, what's the first thing you're doing? You're trying to find, like, what's the score? Or if you hate that, you're like, how much time is left on the clock? You know, right, or whatever, but just ready to flip it over to HGTV or whatever it is, but you're, like, looking for, you're looking for the tracker, right? You're trying to find out, like, where are we at on this thing? You track it. I literally, I have downloaded, I'm working, you know, I'm working through my own, my own stuff, right? I, got, I literally got a, I got a health thing, right? I'm tracking my food, right? Just find something to track, like, track it. Find, out, find the thing, find the score, like get the score. I, I love the, um, the idea of, of taking the opportunity to throw the goal out there and then just giving yourself manageable bites and writing it down. Uh, they, they say uh, they're doing an interview with Seinfeld and they said when he was first starting out as a comedian, uh, what he did is, listen, he's got to build 60 minutes worth of jokes. You know how hard that is? It's incredibly hard to be funny. It's hard for it to be, <laughs> it's hard to be funny for like 12 minutes, right? But, but it's incredible. So you know what he did? He threw, he gets this massive calendar, puts it up on his wall. And you know, he makes the goal. 
I've got to write one successful joke every day. Now listen, you got to fill 60 minutes. You know how many jokes it takes to fill 60 minutes? But he's just going to write one. And every day after he would write a joke, he'd put the X. He would keep track of it on his calendar, on his way to becoming one of the greatest comedians of all time. And that's who you can be. If you want to be Seinfeld, make some jokes, all right? Whatever it is, whatever your thing is, let's figure out how to just begin to write it down and track it and keep, keep, keep score, right? You, when you go bowling, right? If you don't keep score, it's kind of like, hey, you're just rolling a ball down the lane. Like, you need to at least keep score to tell everybody how horrible you are at it, right? Or like... <laughs> It's like, it's, it's, you got the, your buddies, it's four people who have no idea what they're doing. You know, you got the one, you got the one guy that doesn't even use the, the holes because he thinks he's smarter than the game, right? You know what I'm talking about? You keep track because it makes it worthwhile. <laughs> Otherwise, you look like you're insane. You know what I'm saying? Okay, never mind. I'm moving on from bowling. Finally, we're going to finish with this. And then, you know what? I want our team to come back up. Lastly, you got to guard it. You got to guard it. Don't let someone steal. Whole team, you guys come up. You got to guard it and say, no one's taking this from me. I'm not letting the enemy steal my joy. I'm not letting the enemy tell me what I can and can't do. I'm not going to submit to a yoke of slavery any longer. I'm not going to let the enemy steal my joy today. If you find like if you're right here, you're if you feel like you're in a battle with depression, listen, the Lord's with you. He loves to come in to those emotional places to speak life. But I can guarantee you the enemy would love to pull on your emotions and drag you down. And it might be just baby step number one. Every day, track it down. What does the Lord say about you? What is his declaration over you? Might not fix all the problems overnight, but I can guarantee you this, a day and then a week and then a month and then a year worth of listening to what the Lord has to say begins to de destroy the work of the enemy. It begins to move us into that place of life and joy everlasting in Christ. What's the steps? What are the steps? Might be an emotional step, might be a physical step, might be something that, but let's, can we just begin to partner with the little by little? Just say, yes, Lord, little by little. I know you got a promised land for me, but I'm just here today with you in this little by little. You got with me. We're going to finish. We're just going to set our heart before you. And here's what our declaration is, Lord. It's not, it's not our victory. It's yours. We want to take our eyes off of ourself and look to you. Declare your goodness and believe you and then walk with you. Take little steps. Not to be afraid. Not to give in to fear. But to believe, God, you're crafting something powerful and beautiful. 
Lord, would you come and bring emotional healing? Would you bring spiritual healing? Would you bring physical healing? Would you declare your truth and word over our lives? May we take our eyes off of ourselves and look at you and walk with you. Let's just declare. We're going to sing, I exalt thee. Let's make it our declaration. This is the most powerful thing you can do today is to say, Lord, it's not about me. It's about you, and I love you, and I trust you, and I'm going to walk with you. I exalt thee. Let's declare it.